are digital nomads. We work anywhere. We're not limited by location. We're not limited by self-belief. We are works in progress. I'm Beck Power, and this is the Nomad Me Podcast. What up, guys? Today, I bring you a fellow six-figure enthusiast. She is a champion of the six-figure freelancers movement and your champion to help you avoid burnout. It's my pleasure to introduce Kate Bigoy. What is up, Kate? Hi, Kate. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's really good to see you, Beck. It is good to see you here in Bangkok so early in the morning. Um, you're in, where are you right now? I am in lovely Melbourne, Australia, and it's one of my new favorite new cities. <laughs> That's amazing. So are you currently traveling right now? I thought Melbourne might be your base. Maybe not. Um, I have, I don't really have a base right now. So Melbourne is my base for the next uh, month and a half. I'm doing a full 90 here because I needed a break from traveling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'm heading back to North America for this summer, most likely for some weddings and family stuff and kind of reassessing. Cool. Do you want to start off by telling us like how, like what you're actually doing? What do you do and how do you do it? Sure. Sure. I am a business and uh, consultant and coach for entrepreneurs. I primarily work with newer entrepreneurs who want to create online businesses so that they can work anywhere. Um, and I, along the way uh, in this coaching journey for me, I founded a program called Six Figure Freelancers and I'm helping basically people that are, are ready to leave their corporate jobs um, to start freelancing. So creative people and I'm teaching them kind of effective business and marketing principles um, so that they can do it right and not, um, you know, struggle as a lot of new freelancers do. Yes, I'm um, sadly very familiar with that part of yeah, that part of life. When I when I left um, New Zealand initially, I was freelancing, and let's be honest, I was terrible at it. Like I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely an entrepreneur. Freelancing was uh, didn't work out for me. Um, how did you get started? Like uh, you were working in the corporate environment for a bit, I guess. How did you get started nomading? Yeah, so I started my career in a in a corporate job and. It was like a dream job at a Fortune 500 company and every, you know, I had everything on paper that was, you know, the things that are supposed to make me happy. I had the house and the car and the job and, and a really good career directory and great pay. Um, and I was absolutely miserable inside. Um, I was just, just miserable. And after about five years of that um, job, I got so burnt out that I was just a non-functional person. Um, I was drinking all the time. I was not really able to take care of myself. I was absolutely miserable. And I quit that job without a plan to freelance. Um, and I struggled and then, um, decided to go back and get my master's degree. I got my master's degree, moved to Silicon Valley and started working with startups and, um, kind of repeated that process over and over again. I'd take a job, I quit a job, um, and I'm looking back, I see that I was really just seeking freedom, it, you know, and I just wasn't meant for a cubicle. And in, in 2014, I was working at a startup at the time, and um, I took this amazing solo trip to Bali and Cambodia in Singapore. And I was at, um, I happened to read the four-hour work week that same trip. Um, and then I had a spiritual experience at Angkor Wat that just reminded me that like travel was such a big thing for me and that I wanted to inspire other people to change their lives, mm-hmm. to make changes, to, 
you know, not be tethered to that cubicle, those golden handcuffs and the things that we get stuck in these um, patterns. And, um, and I made the decision that I was going to travel more. And I didn't know what it looked like at the time. Um, but between that decision and then Tim Ferriss kind of opening my eyes to a different way of life, um, I just started making um, small adjustments. And at first it was um, just more travel. Then I got permission to work remotely from my then boss. Um, and I traveled in the U.S. I traveled to uh, U.S. and Canada in 2014 and 15. I visited about 13 cities. I spent about four months on the road on my own. So it was kind of a part-time ease into that. Then I ended up moving across country, quit that job, built my own business um, successfully, and then accepted a position with Remote Year. And I left the U.S. to travel with Remote Year in January of 2017 and met my group in um, Kuala Lumpur. And um, while I've since left the program because it wasn't a match for me energetically, I've just continued to travel. So I've now been on the road for 14 months. I haven't been back to the U.S. yet. Um, And um, I've since sold my home and all of my furniture. And I am truly nomadic at this point um, and kind of seeking my next home base. So Nice. Seeking your next home base. I love it. Where might it be? Do you have any ideas? Um, I think the long-term plan is to kind of, so I'm, I don't like winter (laughs) and I've realized I've kind of designed my life around avoiding, um, winter. So it's probably going to be something bouncing between like London, Bangkok, um, Melbourne and somewhere in the U S depending on the, the season, um, and do, you know, three to four months as a home base in a, in one of my favorite cities and you know, London and Barcelona are, are two of my favorites in Europe. So when I want to be there, it'll probably be one of those. Um, absolutely loving Melbourne mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, but there's so much more to experience that, um, you know, who knows? <laughs> I love it. That freedom. That's, that's awesome. You said that you, um, were able to work remotely, um, kind of, I guess, as a transition. How did you negotiate that with your boss? Um, well, it was a lot easier than I expected. It was pretty scary having the conversation, but you know, I really went in and, and at the time I was living in Portland, Oregon and the, the winters in Portland are, are unpleasant for somebody that has seasonal affective disorder. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was like, I'm miserable here and I don't want to be here. And you know, my productivity is affected also by the, the group dynamics we had at the office. And I was like, I would like permission to work remotely for a couple of months and, you know, go live in the South and, and have some sun. And he, you know, my boss was hesitant, but he was like, well, do you think it's going to make you happy? Are you going to be able to do your work? And I'm like, I don't really know unless I try, but I know that I'm not really functioning the way I am now. Mm-hmm. And really what it came down to is he's like, he realized that probably if I didn't have the opportunity to do that, I was probably going to leave my job. And, um, and he allowed me to do it. So I kind of made a case for, for why it would be a good thing, why it would increase my productivity. I had, we already had kind of, um, we were able to work one or two days a week from home anyway. And I was so much more productive when I was out of the office. You know, the thing about remote work is people worry about their ability to kind of um, stay on task. But the reality for me is that when I was in an office, there were constantly hallway meetings and people stopping by and interruptions. And then, you know, meetings go long and people want to go to lunch and people want to go and 
you know, chit chat. And you spend like three to four hours a day doing stuff that is not bottom line important. Mm -hmm. And when you work at home, you're, you don't have that distraction. So if you put in the full eight hours, you're probably getting far more done than you would normally. And you can even potentially crunch that and still get your list done. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's so much more effective for me. And I, and I think I was able to make that case to um, my manager. And of course, the fact that I worked in health um, in tech um, made it a little bit easier. I know there are some, some positions and, and some companies where that's not as easy. Mm. So this corporate burnout, what do you think were the causes of it? Like other than the winter and the, like, just so people can identify themselves. Yeah. 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 So burnout is a real thing. And and there's a lot of things that cause it for me, you know, I didn't really understand the decisions that were being made at my company and I, and looking back, I didn't really understand business at the time. This was before I got my master's and, you know, I had studied art in college and then I'm working for this fortune 500 company and they're, they're doing things for the bottom line that were really affecting the lives of the people. And, um, you know, overworking and, and the kind of, this company is really known for kind of burning through employees. They, they just turn and burn, turn and burn. Um, and I didn't understand that. And then I was frustrated and I also didn't have clear boundaries. And so I didn't, I didn't push back as much as maybe I could have, or just not done the work because I felt like if something was my responsibility to do as an employee, I was going to run through walls to get it done. Mm-hmm. which ended up resulting in me working 60 to 80 hours a week sometimes mm-hmm. um, because we were cutting our staff and increasing the workload for our department. Um, and so because I didn't know how to just say, no, I can't do this. Um, I just did it anyway. Um, and then I did, and then, you know, what happens is your self-care slips because you're working so much. You start eating crappy food. You stop working out. You stop doing the things that you love. Um, I'm a creative person and probably the last two to three years that I was working there, I was not doing much creation at all that wasn't tied to my work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was coming home, it was picking up fast food or, you know, microwaving a meal and drinking myself to sleep and watching Netflix. And that was like what I was capable of. Um, and you know, it, it affects our nervous system. It, it affects our adrenal system. Um, and it's, it's, depressing as well. You know, depression goes hand in hand with it. And so I think it's a lot of self-care and boundaries. Um, and it's also just poor match. You know, I talk to a lot of people, a lot of my clients, you know, they, they take a job because on paper, it sounds like a great job, but it's not actually in line with their personal values. It's not in line with what they want out of life. It's not in line with their beliefs. And when you're out of sync with your personal values, you're gonna have discomfort. You're going to, to come up with, with burnout and have symptoms. Wow. So what do you think people can do to avoid that burnout? Like what are some tools or um, tips, tricks that people can use to make sure that that doesn't happen? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, self-care is number one. And, you know, my, I, have, I work with an online naturopath right now, and she, she talks about, you know, self-care is not a luxury, it's a strategy, um, particularly for entrepreneurs. She works with entrepreneurs. 
Um, and it's the same way. If you're in a corporate job, the first thing, and you're starting to feel signs of burnout or you think you might be burnt out, like one of the, the first things you can do is start taking a step back and taking care of yourself. You know, there's a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, and she talks about like taking yourself on play dates, you know, and that was a big thing that helped me when I was starting to really recover was like setting aside one night a week and I would book four hours and it was like four hours to do whatever the fuck I wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, it had to be fun. That was the only requirement. It could be free. It could cost money. It could be creating something. It could be sitting in a park, but it had to be something that was just fun and play. Um, no work, no productivity attachments, no outcome other than to just take the time to have fun, you know, um, or scheduling dates with yourself, you know, go to a movie or, or, you know, have dinner with a friend and make it a recurring thing. It's really important to, to kind of get that separation from work and life and do the things um, that make us happy. And then for me, you know, I had to look at, at my behavior. I had a problem with alcohol and I got sober um, and that made a big difference. And I know, you know, not everybody has that issue, but a lot of times we do turn to, to things. We, we turn to medication, we turn to alcohol, we turn to drugs, we shop. You know, we look for ways to fix us ourselves. Um, and so if you're finding yourself like, you know, not able to feel your, your feelings, <laughs> not able to deal with life and you're on Amazon spending your money and always looking for, like for me, it was always looking for supplements or finding some new goal to attach to, you know, I was going to run a marathon or I was going to do this or I was going to start a new blog and then not finishing them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, taking a look at that behavior and instead of engaging in compulsive behavior, maybe stopping and figuring out what you're actually feeling, um, maybe meditating, um, you know, and then a lot of things that I, I recommend another book to a lot of people, strangely, um, it's called Codependent No More by Melody Beatty. Um, a lot of people have kind of these, based on our family systems, we, we learn to, to not say no or to push back or to set solid boundaries in our life and with our friends. And we become attached to how other people think about us. We become attached to, you know, somebody else's um, outcomes. And, and we're so worried to say, no, I can't do this, that we're going to hurt somebody or, or something of that nature, um, that we end up hurting ourselves. And so Codependent No More, you know, is like about setting healthy boundaries and learning what is appropriate for you to feel bad about. And, um, and letting go of kind of other, I'm no longer responsible for other people's behavior or emotions. It's not my job to make Beck happy. It's my job to make me happy. So. Awesome. I am definitely getting that book. That sounds like something that I definitely want to read for sure. That, the link for those will be in the show notes. Um, so, it, and I don't think, I mean, we've talked about corporate burnout, but I don't think that that is the only kind of burnout. For me, I recognize, I mean, obviously I'm nowhere near corporate, but I recognize in myself, like, self-care a while back started to slip, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. wait a second, when your girlfriend says, babe, you need to, like, be showering every day. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like, embarrassing and like, oh, yeah, wait a second, when did I stop showering every day? Like. When did that happen? And then, you know, like yeah. I, that's really something that has, um, I've dealt with lately. So it's really cool to hear you talking about that. And then I'm like, okay, 
I'm on the right track. You know, I started to pick up my self-care. Recently, I don't know if you know this, but I outsourced my hair, my hairstyling and stuff. So like three times a week, I go to this place across the road and get my hair like washed and dried and styled just because I can't be bothered doing it. And I hate it. (laughs) It's genius. I know. And I feel like even if you, there's stuff that you don't want to deal with or you're like, Oh, like that's okay. There's nothing. Well, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong about not enjoying that, like some parts of self care or whatever, but you can outsource those. You can make systems for those. And so, um, yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up. That was cool. Um, as an entrepreneur, I got travel or I got burnout, but let's talk about travel burnout. Yeah, that's a thing too. It is a thing. Yeah. Entrepreneurial burnout, huge thing. Uh, Travel burnout, huge thing. And for a lot of digital nomads, you get the combination and it's a one-two punch. And it's something that I'm dealing with right now. And it's, it's a hard, hard battle. So, you know, for me, so as I said, I left the U S in January in um, April uh, in Ho Chi Minh, Vietnam, I got splashed in the face with sewage water and it got in my mouth and I got really, really sick. Yeah. It was like one of those amazing stories that you're like, how did that even happen? Like I saw it happen and I don't know how it happened, you know, Um, but I got really really sick. I ended up getting, um, Giardia and you know, all of that stuff. And, um, and so it was really, really sick. And kind of from that point forward, my energy, you know, obviously was an issue. I was, I was down for the count for about three weeks and then it continued on for probably about good six weeks. I was having issues with my system. I started making bad decisions in my business because my head wasn't clear. I was sick and, um, and all of that. And then the problem with that is bad decisions compound. You make one bad decision, you keep moving forward. If you don't get that, that clarity of mind. And, and when you're traveling all of the time and you're constantly overstimulated, um, and you don't have a lot of normalcy in your life, um, you know, you, you run the risk of really um, activating your adrenal glands, which your adrenal glands are what causes your fight or flight response, right? So if you're constantly feeling overstimulated in your life, and then you've also got your business where you've, you've fucked some things up and you're kind of scrambling to try to figure that out, Mm-hmm. you're really taxing your, your adrenal system. You're having constant fight or flight responses because your body doesn't understand the difference between like an oncoming train and a, you know, oh, I just sent out a blast email to the wrong people and it's terribly embarrassing. Like you have the same reaction. You have the same stress reaction as if you had walked in front of a bus, you know, and um, long-term what happens is your body's producing so much adrenaline all of the time that it just stops at some point functioning. And so that's where I kind of am right now. I'm, I'm, I started working with a naturopath a couple months ago and she's like, you know, you, you just burned your adrenals out. Like there's just nothing left for them to produce. And so now we're on kind of this low protocol to build that back up, but it can take six to eight months to get your adrenal system back on track. And so in the meantime, what I'm dealing with is like, I've got two businesses now because somehow one wasn't enough for me. Um, and then I'm dealing with like a lack of energy. Um, and so I have like a window of between four and six hours a day where I have decent human energy. And then it's like these waves of just pure exhaustion. And it's different 
from the corporate burnout experience, when I was, when I was in corporate burnout, because as I talked about earlier, I was not aligned with my values. I found myself really depressed and that's kind of how that, that burnout manifests. I'm not depressed so much. I absolutely love my life. I love what I do. My clients are just mind blowingly amazing. Um, but I'm so exhausted that it is, it, it is like a challenge to do much of anything, which just means growth becomes really slow. Mm. So in a nutshell, you know, you've got to manage that stress and, you know, that self-care stuff is what helps with that is making sure that you're working out consistently and eating healthy and you're not stressed out all the time. Meditation, um, running and walking is a form of meditation for me. And so I noticed when I was in Bali for a little while last fall, um, and I couldn't run regularly because there's no freaking sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Um, my energy, my health started failing because I couldn't get the, that exercise and it was part of a meditation for me. And so my brain started kind of running around like a hamster on a wheel. So it's really interesting and it's really important to start paying attention to the signals that your body gives you, to what's really important to you and to prioritize it. Because when we let those, it's usually instinctual to let those self-care habits slip in order to work more when we're an entrepreneur or we're a nomad because there's fear attached to to not making it. Um, But then we make it worse for ourselves. You know, that's what happened with me is um, I made it worse for myself. I stopped taking care of myself. Um, And then your business suffers because you don't have the energy to run it. Mm -hmm. Um, So self-care is not a luxury. You've got to do the things that make you feel good and that, you know, prioritize your health. I love it. Really, really good info. Are you ready for the quick fire round? Absolutely. Yes. All right. Here we go. Uh, What What is your favorite book that you've read recently? Mm. If you're If you're a reader. Could be an audio book. Oh, I'm, a, I'm a massive reader. I read a lot of crappy books that I don't know the name of the title, but I'm always actually reading a self-help book or something similar too. I think the most interesting one that I read lately was um, The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Waddles um, and Unleash the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, which is an oldie but a goodie. Yeah, I haven't read either of those. I know I like need to read the Tony Robbins one. I always think it. Those are great. Um, what do you have any must pack items that you rely on favorite favorite pack mm. item or alternatively a weird item that no one would guess that you carry around with you <laughs> i do have some weird items i have probably both um must pack i don't have a lot of must pack anymore i i obsessed about packing before i left the us and i have very little of what i actually left the one thing that i wish that i did have um, was a power strip with, you know, US plugs. Uh-huh. Um, that's one thing I don't have that I, that I wish I had brought. Um, weird items. I think the most unusual is just that I have a little wooden Buddha statue. It's a carved wooden Buddha statue that a friend of mine gave me before I left. And it's kind of my little anchoring device. So one of the rituals I found that helps me as a nomad is that when I get to a new city is kind of sitting down and going, okay, this is home now. And like, I have to, to mentally prepare myself that this hotel room, this Airbnb, whatever it is, is home now. And that little statue is, is one of the, the few things that I have that's like an icon of home. So I think it's important to, to bring little pieces with you mm-hmm. that, that anchor. 
I love that. That's a great idea. That is man, killer. What is your favorite <laughs> country to nomad in? Oh, such a hard question because there's so many good ones. I think my favorite city, I, I won't say my favorite country, my favorite city is Bangkok um, from a nomad standpoint. It's probably going to be where I end up at least part-time. Um, and I like uh, Spain from a country perspective, I think was, was easy to bounce around the whole country. Thailand, I had a harder time outside of Bangkok. I, I didn't, I'm one of the few people that did not enjoy Chiang Mai um, yeah. as a home base. Hmm. Cool. Um, what would you say your life mission is? My personal mission is to help people live lives by design and not default and to create beauty and spread joy. Um, my business mission is to help people create online businesses that support them in doing those things. Cool. Your best nomadic memory? Or Definitely not getting splashed in the face with sewage water. That's I can tell you that. Yeah, that's... It, it was that was pretty rough. Um, my favorite memory is actually in Bangkok, and it, it may influence why that was my favorite city. My first week there, um, I went for a run in Lumpini Park, which is in the business district. And I was like running around, and I see something in the water, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And it's a giant monitor lizard. It was like a, you know, three, four foot long monitor lizard. And I was just, holy shit. And I'm taking video. And then the most amazing thing happened. This little lady came up to me and she was probably, I'm guessing in her sixties or seventies. And she didn't really speak any English, um, but she just grabbed my, by the hand and she goes, Madame, Madame, come, come. And she grabbed me by the elbow and she took me all around the park. And in her it, trying to speak English taught me about, told me that, you know, they lived, they slept in the trees she was just pointing them out. And there's just thousands and thousands of them. I'd been running around in this park for like a week and hadn't seen one yet. So it was a little terrifying to realize I was surrounded by dragons. Um, but it was just that woman was just so sweet and so kind. And she showed me around for like 30 or 40 minutes. And, and it was just an incredible combination of nature and, um, Amazing. and just a beautiful uh, interaction. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's, uh, those monitor lizards are terrifying. They're like little Komodo dragons, kind of. They are, and they, I mean, they, they're meat-eating lizards, and it, I, I saw one eating a fish. It was just, it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, they're terrifying. Um, what advice do you have for someone who's thinking about going nomadic? Stop obsessing about packing. You're <laughs> probably going to get it wrong, and you can probably get anything you need elsewhere focus on your energy and making sure you have the resources to take care of yourself and then just do it it's not once you get through the initial fear and you leave the comfort of of your home country or your home job it becomes so much easier and and you, like at this point i don't even remember why i was so freaked out but, but I was, I mean, and I put it off for years. I had had the idea of nomading in 2014. I didn't leave the country until 2017 as a nomad. Wow. Awesome. Where can people find you online? Uh, people can find me online at katebegoy.com or at sixfigurefreelancers.com. Cool. Um, and I'm katebegoy on all social media, just the letter K and my last name. Awesome. So all those links will be um, on the show notes. 
and uh, you'll find those at digitalnomad.me. So, Kate, it's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. You're a joy. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was (laughs) lovely to connect. Thanks for tuning in today. If you love Nomad Me, make sure to leave your good review on iTunes. Every week, I select a reviewer to win a lifetime Nomad Fly membership for free. All the show notes can be found at digitalnomad.me. See you tomorrow.